Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. With all that being said, there's a lot of markets. I get emails every day about, you know, hey, expand to Japan. You can no fees for a year. We'll give you account manager, like all this kinds of stuff. And, you know, we've not taken up any people or, or any of these managers yet. Uh, because once again, I feel like there's there's still so much opportunity just in the markets that are out there. However, you know, these new markets that pop up, once again, you know, it's like, you know, selling on Amazon when I started in 2012. Back then, if I knew what I knew now, I would have scaled 10 times faster and probably been a billion dollar company, right? But it's just, there weren't people like Andy and I who were like teaching you guys how to do this stuff, kind of giving you a template. It was kind of shoot from the hip back then. So uh, any markets stand out for you, Andy, in terms of, you know, say, you know, I'm, I'm selling on Amazon. I just hit the million dollar mark. You know, I'm looking to expand into other markets. Is it the UK? Is it Germany? Is it Japan? You know, Australia? Where, what, what markets do you think are uh, some of the best opportunities now to expand into? So I'm slightly biased, in all honesty. Uh, so I think the, the, Europe, the European market, and we'll come back to individual which countries work best to start off with in a moment. The U Europe, Japan, Australia, um, you know, India, U UAE, I mean, possibly. Um, I, I think that everyone should be looking to have a presence on there and everyone should be looking to expand to some of those over the coming years. But actually the market share like Australia, you know, there's 30 million people in Australia and the size of the country is ginormous. So, you know, the, the, the inroads there is, is really, really tough. Uh, they're slowly working on that. You know, do I think that Australia is going to be epic soon? Yeah, totally. Because I think everyone is fed up with eBay in most parts of the world. And I think that Australia is fed up of eBay. I mean, there's some massive eBay sellers that come out of Australia. I mean, phenomenal. And, you know, those people are like switching to Amazon. A lot of those switch to US Amazon. You, was they did eBay in Australia, then did Amazon in the US. That was like their their route. Um, and I think lots of people are doing those sort of things. So I think Australia is definitely going to be there. Not there yet. Like, but should you put stuff there and start doing stuff? The problem is if you don't go all in, it's difficult. Um, so for me, it's Europe, Japan, uh, Australia, India, UAE. You know, I mean India. I mean like. There's a billion people out there. I mean, that's going to be huge. There's no doubt that that's not going to be a market that people should be in. Um, I just see that as really quite difficult at the moment. There's lots of issues. It's, you know, we, we want to get there to do what we've done in Europe, in India, because all I see in India is red tape, and everyone you talk to is like, you know, that's um, we, want to, we want to overcome some of that. So coming back to Europe, what do we see? Well, Europe, there's the two biggest marketplaces in, in Europe is the UK and Germany. So our strategy typically is when you're first launching, launch on the UK and Germany. That accounts for two thirds of all sales in Europe. So what it means is, is that when you're selling, you know, you can put your stock in the UK and Germany, which gets over the UK Brexit thing. And you know, we put those in those two countries and then you get the products out there. You're accounting for two thirds of the marketplace. You can then move to the others as you go from there. But that, that's typically the best strategy we see at the moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I would have to agree. I think that, uh, you know, the UK, and not only that, but the, you know, with the UK, you know, everybody forgets about the, the uh, you know, and same thing with Australia. One of the huge benefits of those marketplaces, just like India too, because uh, India is bilingual, is, you know, you, your listings can, for the most part, you know, translate instantly into those things. So really getting launched in those platforms with your existing listings. A lot of people don't know this, but Amazon actually has uh, a service where they'll actually import your listings um, to those other marketplaces pretty easily. Now, uh, in the past, it was pretty terrible. At one point, we had our, our account manager say, oh, yeah, we'll take care of it for you. And, and it was garbage. <laughs> when it came out, it, it did not look good. So it was, it was kind of a mess. But they, they've gotten much better at it. They can transfer those listings over. Um, they will you know, set pricing at a reasonable rate compared to your U.S. rates, things like that. Uh, so it is a lot easier. So um, definitely uh, UK, Germany, fantastic. And then, like I said, Australia, just because, you know, you got the, the, the uh, no, no need to translate there for the most part. Um, Andy, what I would love to talk about is, so, you know, when, when you're sending products to the US, a majority of people are, you know, of course, coming from China. Um, you know, there's kind of two, two options, right? You can either come by ship or come by air. Now, in, in Europe, you have a, a few more options. You know, there's rail and things like that uh, that you can actually get a hold of. So can you talk to me a little bit about shipping and logistics in terms of maybe a little bit of, of difference compared to the U.S.? Uh, you know, do you see it as being harder, easier, and kind of the differences in cost? Yeah, okay. I think that, I mean, the, the, you shipping from China right now, the two things that we see is we mainly use air and sea. Exactly the same. No one uses rail or very few people use rail. You can use the Siberian Express. I the exact name. It, it comes across the whole of China, Russia, Mongolia, and all the way into Europe. Um, hardly anyone uses it. It's not particularly effective. Um, it can be used, but it is very, very slow. Um, and it's not effective. So very, very few people use that. So most people are shipping air and sea. From China, obviously, same as the US, full cartons, yeah, you can send from China, but everything else needs to come in a container. And we're seeing the same problems you're seeing, containers. You know, we've got one client we're working with at the moment, they ship around 700 containers a year. Um, they can't get containers out of China. Like, we're supporting them with that. Um, they use somebody else at the moment, they've just started using us because we can find containers a little bit quicker and easier, but it's containers from China. Everyone's got the same problems with containers from China. They're extortionately expensive and no one's got any containers and the ships are full and people keep on parking their ships in between the Suez Canal. So all of those things have an impact on, um, on shipping, but in essence, it's the same route. It's, it's shipping out of China, it's 30 days from China into the UK or, or, or Europe. Um, it comes in. It's by far the most economical way of doing it, even though the prices have gone up by five to six times in the last 18 months. Um, it's still by far the best way. Yeah, absolutely. So the other uh, thing that I would love to, to talk to you about, because I think this is uh, something that's kind of untapped. So uh, you know, once all the issues with China started in terms of the tariffs and the and and all this kind of trade war, you know, people started to go to alternate sources, right? We got Vietnam, Philippines. You know, people are starting to look elsewhere, India. Uh, but what a lot of people don't realize is is that you know there was a small increase in manufacturing in the in the U.S. 
Uh, you know, that was uh, over the last like, you know, three to five years, you know, there's a, a lot more focus on that partially because of the Chinese situation. But what a lot of people don't realize is, is that Germany is a major, still a major manufacturing hub. Uh, so, you know, could you talk about maybe, uh, do you have any clients who are sourcing in either the UK or Germany and then just selling to that local market? So in other words, sourcing from a, a German company and then selling in the German market. We have, in all honesty, we have very few sellers that are doing this. We've only got a handful that are making that work. And the main reason for that is, is they just can't get here to come and have a look in most cases. But Germany does manufacture. Poland manufactures quite a lot. There are some Eastern European states that do a lot of manufacturing. Um, I just don't think they're geared up for the processes and the systems like, in all honesty, China is like Vietnam and Philippines. You know, everyone's looking to switch away from China for a million different reasons. But they've just got it so dialed in in China. It's almost, it's not impossible to leave that because that's where they're going to fall foul. But it's really, really difficult to find another manufacturer that's as effective at the same price for the same scale that you need. And everyone's not quite in tune with that in Europe, definitely. But I think there's a whole load of uh, European, um, Eastern European cities and countries that would be epic at that. And I think that some of that comes down to exactly that you've had for the last 10 years is that sourcing agent. Where's the sourcing agent in Europe? And how does that sourcing agent find those factories? And they just aren't the sourcing agents at the same scale of what there is in China. I mean, you could walk into Shenzhen and walk around. All right, I appreciate you walking in Shenzhen. It's a pretty big area. You know, we the first time we went there, go to Shenzhen, okay, we'll go from one factory to another factory. You know, on the map, it looks like it's 20 minutes away. It's like a four-hour cab journey. But you soon regret that pretty quickly. Um, you know, so th there's lots of things you learn. But, you know, exactly the same in Europe. I think that that sourcing period will happen over time. But I, one, they're never going to be able to compete as effectively. But there are companies that can do, depending on what product you're doing, you source the raw materials. And it gets pulled together here. So there's an element of pull the raw materials together and then make it happen in Europe actually could be a way to go. That could be a half house measure, which would mean if you did that, that because of Brexit, you could move things backwards and forwards relatively free between the two countries, UK and Europe, because it was made in, in, in Europe. There's a whole load of rules around that, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. I think honestly, the biggest problem is, is there's been nothing even close to, you know, Alibaba or things like that, where there's kind of a central marketplace where, you know, not only is there manufacturers that can, you know, you know, create custom, you know, stuff from scratch, but, you know, the private labeling and white labeling, you know, like that's in Amazon, that's how most people start out, right, is, is to find a product, maybe change it a little bit, uh, you know, put their brand on it and sell it. So I think until some of these other countries kind of get that figured out, I completely agree. Uh, and then, and, and just like you said, sourcing agents and things like that, but I think it's going to have to happen. Um, you know, especially if, if some of these, uh, you know, theories about the, the, uh, COVID-19 being manufactured in the lab, you know, if that comes, people don't realize if that comes out that 
you know that is what happens and it was there was a cover-up there the supply chain will probably end up breaking down because all these other countries unless you know unless china says hey you know we're sorry we're gonna make amends x by doing x y and z which i honestly don't see happening then you're talking about a whole new game folks so uh you know hold on to your your, your chairs for that one but i think if that were to happen, what that's going to do is crowbar other countries to get back into manufacturing it. And as hard as it will be in the short term, I think that might need to be what happens for the sanctity uh, and safety of the world. Because if you have manufacturing, complete, you know, I, I don't know what the number is, but it's probably got to be 90% or more of manufacturing done in one country. Uh, that's an immense amount of power to wield over the, over the world. So uh, try not to get too political here. Just throwing that idea out for people to think about that well, it could be a bumpy ride. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Andy, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a sourcing agency in Europe. Uh, when I say agency, what I mean is I'm going to start creating a list of all the manufacturers that I know of uh, and start pulling that together. Because actually, you you thinking about what you've just said there and thinking about some of our thoughts and discussions we've had, you We've already talked about that. We've got clients that want places that they can make up stuff. Well, actually, that would just be the next step. So actually, we just need to find that and make that happen. Because you're quite right. You know, as we move into the next step of what happens over the next five years, you know, if that happens, no one will want to buy anything from China. Like, it would just be vetoed. They'd be like, I'm not buying anything from China ever again. Yep. Yep. Every product on Amazon is made in China. So you're talking about shutting a marketplace down. When you talk about history repeating itself, which it does, we know that Amazon won't be the, the, the biggest company in the world in 10 years' time in most likelihood. So something's got to happen to switch that and change that. That could be the catalyst. I'm not saying it is, by the way. You didn't hear this here first. But um, you're right. That could happen, and that catalyst could happen, and people need to be aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've said this for years. I was like, you know, Amazon, you know, people think Amazon's this you know, behemoth. I say, oh, no, Amazon is the MySpace of e-commerce. I mean, yes, they're the largest. Yes, they're dominant. But so is MySpace. Right. And then Facebook came, came along and, and ate their lunch. So, you know, people really need to, to, to look at, uh, you know, some of the other company. I mean, honestly, I still to this day don't understand you know, Shopify could literally, uh, you know, I'm sure they have it developed. If not, then everybody there needs to be fired. But they, they've they got some kind of marketplace in place, you know, where they could literally, you know, have a, a, a massive selection of products in at one site um, and, and could, you know, roll out trusted merchants, fast shipping, logistics, all those kinds of things. And all of a sudden now, Amazon's running for the hills because Shopify's, you know, only charging a monthly fee rather than a percentage of the sale or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of things that could happen, uh, like like you said, in the next five to 10 years. I think the e-commerce space is going to change immensely. I think the manufacturing is going to change immensely. Uh, just geopolitically, I think that it's inevitable. So uh, I think uh, we'll that, Andy, with that Shopify piece, sorry, is that what happens is, is they, a lot of Shopify sites, they just look like spam. Now, when you get a decent one, it doesn't look like, I get that. But what a lot of people are doing selling in the UK is they they look if they find a product on Facebook, it's advertised on Facebook, they go to the thing, they look at it and they go, I'm not sure this looks legit. I'll go and buy that on Amazon. 
right? They, that, that's sort of the process. Now, if, if Shopify came out with something like that, I and mean, we work with a lot of Shopify sellers because we work, we, from our fulfillment side, we do direct to, a lot of direct to consumers. So, you know, obviously they need us to, to, to do that. And, um, you know, what we're finding is, is that actually sellers that are switching, like, you, you, I mean, you, anyone who sells on Amazon knows you want to try and build a list off of Amazon. There's no secret to that. And it's how you do that. But if Shopify creating its own marketplace and pulling that in, again, with trusted partners would be epic. Um, Shopify, if you're listening to this, we'd love to be your fulfillment partner in, in Europe. Just saying. Um, <laughs> and I'm also open for consulting because I've already thought all of these things through Shopify. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've already got the blueprint. <laughs> I, re I refuse. I refuse to move to Canada. However, I love Canada. I love Canadians, but I will not live in Canada. Uh, I'll visit all the time. But... <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy, uh, one of the other things we love to do, kind of at the end here, as we wrap up, is you know, if you're like a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, things like that, uh, you know, you're probably into always learning and and watching and listening and. You know, any books or podcasts or people or anything like that that you've seen or heard or watched recently that have made a really big impact either on your personal growth or uh, on your business? Yeah, I mean, this is this past epic. I mean, the, the whole education piece for me is, is, is critical. If you, if you don't stop growing as an individual, then that's when you're going you're gonna to stall. Uh, I've sort of got that in my head that if I'm not learning, then everything will stall because I'm not learning. That's the bit. So... I think that in the journey of our business has gone through, um, you know, we've, we've sort of been, you know, touch wood, we've done, you know, we've done great over the last few years. And the reason for that is we've put, I've put a lot of education into marketing, sales, you know, systems, processes, scaling, you know, all that sort of stuff, you know, whether it be um, listening to, I don't know, ClickFunnels or Gary V or, and a million one others that happen to be out there, all of those sort of people are now switching to more leadership. So as our business has grown, it's now a case of our business doesn't need all of those things because we've got epic people leading all of those departments. What I actually need to do now is to learn to lead an epic team of people better. So, all right, I could do that before because I'd already done it and we'd already grown, but how do we make that epic? So uh, I've, I've got a bit obsessed with John C. Maxwell uh, and all the million and one books he's done. So I've been, uh, you know, I don't read, but I listen to audio books. I go to the gym at six every morning and for an hour and a half every morning, I plug, plug it in and I'm listening to a different book. So I'm slowly working my way through those books. And it, it's a case of my philosophy was always about go away and learn. My philosophy now is, Go away and learn, but make sure it's relevant for the journey that you're currently on or where you want to get to. Because what happens is, is you go through these stages. And if I was still learning about marketing, I, I should still keep, I should still stay relevant with marketing. And I, what I do is I listen to podcasts on marketing, sales, education, e-commerce. To see, it's almost keep me dialed in. But then I read books and listen to books to educate myself to get myself to the next level. Um, so hopefully that was useful for someone. It certainly worked for me. Um, and making sure you're aware of that journey you're on. Yeah, absolutely. 
One of the things that I've recently noticed is, you know, I'm one of those people who I'm the same way. I don't read. I don't have patience for that. And I like to multitask, right? So I'll usually drive and listen to Audible, like when I'm going to pick up my kids or do whatever. Um, but one of the things that I have noticed is, is you can uh, overdo it, right? I mean, because once you, you kind of have to, you know, I say go and listen to a ton of business books. But once you really kind of resonate with somebody or, or some process or some way of doing that thing, whether it be like marketing or business or personal growth, I think you have to kind of gravitate and kind of turn your focus to those people once you find out who they are and try to stay on that. Because, you know, if you try the the newest, latest, you know, if you're doing the four hour work week and then just the one thing, and then, you know, it's all these different kind of theories and ways of doing things. And they all, you know, work differently for different people. But I think that you can overdo it in terms of, uh, you know, trying to learn too much uh, to pull away from actually doing right. So you have to learn, but then you actually have to get to work and start doing. So that's one of the things that I've been kind of paring back my, my learning in terms of, you know, I've already done, you know, e-commerce for over, I mean, I've, I've, I've done internet businesses since I was 19 years old. So I've been doing this for a long time. So I'm starting to be more trusting in my knowledge and what I've done thus far and a little less in trying to learn new things. Right. I mean, like you said, you always have to stay up, but make sure you're, you're having a good balance there. I think that's so true. The, the, you, what I like to do is, is I've, I've read a lot of those books you sort of just talked about there, all those different books. And, and I don't think I've ever taken all of one philosophy. I've sort of taken bits from all of them, you know, whether it's the morning routine, the four hour work, like all of them. Actually, I take the bits that really work for me because just because they work for one person in one state, in the States, doing one particular thing, that's not going to work for me. You've got, you've got to take the bits that you work and the bits you like, <laughs> like this, that the whole get up at four a.m. in the morning thing, you, that works for some people. It just wouldn't work for me. Like I get up at half five to go to the gym. Yes, that's still pretty early, but that's workable for me because I get seven and a half hours sleep every night. You don't need any more than seven and a half hours sleep. Like you, you sleep when you even die after that. You know, but you know, I think it's important exactly as you say. You, you've got to. Focus in on certain areas as you feel comfortable with, but you also need time to think about. So I, I do that when I'm in the gym, but actually when I drive now, what I've been doing is I've not been listening to anything. Well, unless I go on a long journey, what I'm doing is in my, I'm just thinking and taking the thoughts of everything I've taken in and thinking, okay, what does that mean to me? And how do I imply that to my business and my situation? Exactly what you're saying. You know, your five businesses, which include the kids. Like, how do you? It's not just about the business; it's about the balance of life and everything else. And we all get side. And I think gentlemen are worse at this. And I can be shot down, but I think gentlemen are slightly worse because they get side pulled into the work because it's naturally instinctive to what we do. Um, and, you know, I've definitely got a better balance to do about that every day. But fortunately, my kids are almost grown up, so I'm very right soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that day. I definitely noticed uh, uh, once, uh, once the third one came along that my, my, my hair and my beard got much, uh, much grayer and my bags under my eyes have grown immensely. But uh, <laughs> like I tell everyone, they're the hardest and best thing in the world. So Andy, it's been a, it's been a, a great pleasure to have you on. Uh, great combo. I really appreciate you being here. Um, let people know where they can where they can find you. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having us. It's much appreciated. It's been great, great coming on. Uh, so 
My name's Andy Hooper from Global E-commerce Experts. Uh, if you Google Global E-commerce Experts, um, will come up. Um, if you hook me up on LinkedIn, Andy Hooper, the go-to e-commerce guy for Europe, basically. Um, I'm pretty much connected with most people in e-commerce in one way or another. Uh, obviously, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and everything else that goes with it. Um, but just reach out. If you need some help, reach out, say hi to me. Um, is probably the best stop. And then I'll just go, okay, you need to speak to this in my team and I'll pass you to the right person in the right place. And typically, because it's coming from me, the team act a lot quicker for some reason. I don't know why that is. Um, so then, then, then yeah, they, they, they've got like this, okay, it's sent, it's got to be done straight away. Because I'm like, um, I'm very customer centric. It's got to be done now. Like to the customer, it's got to be done now. Do it now, do it now, do it now. Um, and I think that rubs off on the team. So it can't be that quick. So yeah, hook me up on LinkedIn is probably the best place. Awesome, Andy. Thank you again. Everybody, if you uh, didn't catch us live, uh, make sure you go to uh, sellaroundtable.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there. We push it out to YouTube. Uh, we've been doing it live uh, so that you guys can watch it on any platform you want. We really, really appreciate, appreciate everybody who joins us live. If you want to do that, we do it every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific time, sellaroundtable.com forward slash live. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much for being here. Remember, we stopped the broadcast, we stopped the recording, and then we do like five minutes at the end in the Zoom meeting. So if you want to ask uh, people like Andy questions, then uh, you, don't get to, you don't get that bonus content unless you join us live in the, uh, in the meeting. So hopefully we'll see you guys there. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time on the Seller Roundtable. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.